Praise God. Jesus Christ, the resurrected king, is, is still in the resurrecting business. I love that statement that our God has robbed the grave. I don't know what kind of graves are in your life, what kind of dreams are dead, what kind of physical situations might be dead or relationships, but I believe that he still robs graves. Amen? Amen. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 puts it this way. It says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For you have been born again. And we can get an amen right there, right? Praise God. That's good news. How? Not through a, a perishable seed, but through an imperishable seed, through a seed that lives forever. A resurrected king who is, as the song says, his final breath upon the cross is now alive in me. He's breathed into us, and now we have access to that. And then it says, through the word of God. That's how we receive, through his word. It's an awesome, awesome statement. We're so glad that you're here with us today. We're kicking off a brand new series, and it's actually a new old series. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it in just a minute. But before we get there, uh, if you are a first-time guest with us, you are our VIP today. Let's give it up for those who are first-time at City Church. There we go, back up and running. Don't know what happened there, but uh, yeah, still good. Uh, we're thrilled you're here today, yes. Uh, and man, we are excited uh, to, to get to spend this morning with you. If you uh, are a first-time guest, if you can fill out the connection card that's in your seat, drop that in the offering bucket when it comes around uh, a little bit later in the service. We would greatly appreciate that. But uh, we're going to do something different today. I'm going to ask you just, instead of getting out of your seat and going to shaking hands, just to turn and, and high-five five people right where you're at, and then grab a seat. We're going to go right into our message today. All right. Well, we are going to kick off a three-week series today. Uh, called Open the Book, as you can see on your screen, as you might have picked up uh, in your seat. Uh, we actually did this series uh, back in the fall of 2014, so a little over two years ago, called Open the Book, uh, and, and it was one of my favorite series that we've ever done. What we did is we took four different things that the Bible compares itself to, and we spent a week studying each of those. So we spent a week looking at how the Bible is like a sword, a week looking at how the Bible is like a light, like a lamp. Um, a week looking at how the Bible is like bread, and a week looking at how the Bible is like a mirror. How many of you remember that series? You were here for that? Not too many of you, which is kind of awesome that so many of you have been added in uh, since 2014. I love that. Uh, so if you did not hear that series, or if you did and, and forgot all about it, as probably a lot of us have, um, you can go to citychurchob.com slash media, uh, and you can find that, that podcast. It's August 17th through September the 7th of 2014. 14, or you can go to iTunes and search for City Church and look for those dates. Um, but I really encourage you to go check that out, because what we're going to do is we're going to pick up the three things that the Bible compares itself to that we didn't get to have time to cover uh, a couple of years ago. There are three other things, three other metaphors or similes that the Bible makes about itself uh, that I think are really informative for us to understand why the Bible is important and how the Bible operates in our lives. So we're going to pick those up uh, the next three weeks. Uh, so we're going to look at how the Word of God is like a fire, 
how the Word of God is like breath, specifically God's breath. And today we're going to look at how the Word of God is like a seed. Uh, in conjunction with this series, as you might have noticed, we also put together a reading plan for you. Don't want you, just want to tell you why it's important to read the Bible. I want to help uh, guide you along the way and encourage you. Now, some of you, you are already on a reading plan. You are reading consistently daily, um, and, and you're in a great place. Um, if that's you, you don't necessarily have to do this. You can keep right along in your reading plan. You may consider adding this into your reading plan as well and just, uh, man, stepping it up, flexing those spiritual muscles a little bit more over the next 21 days. But I know a lot of us probably aren't in that category. Maybe we've had a a good daily time with God in the past, but we've grown stagnant or stale or lax or lazy. Uh, Some of us maybe have never really consistently had that time with God before. So I'm encouraging you, I'm challenging you over the next three weeks uh, read along with us. And we do this probably about three times a year that we'll put a reading plan out for our people to, to encourage you to really take that step. Um, and we've done different paces. We did one, New Through 30, where we read through the whole New Testament in 30 days. We were reading about 16 chapters a day. Uh, this is not that. Uh, this is going to be a whole lot easier. We've done some where we read one chapter or some where we read three. We're going to fall right in between that. Um, this is a two-chapter-a-day reading plan. So what you're going to do, you're going to read 42 chapters, uh, which will cover the entirety of the book of Galatians all the way through the book of Philemon. These are 10 books, uh, 10 letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to different churches as well as to other pastors uh, to to encourage them and to teach them. So he wrote 13 books of the New Testament. We're going to miss Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. We'll try and get those in on another plan later on, uh, but we're going to get 10. Uh, So it's going to move quickly. Uh, You're going to notice some themes that will repeat because Paul uh, had some specific things that he kept telling these new churches, um, and and those are going to be important. But as you read, I encourage you to do a couple things. I encourage you to pray before you read. Uh, every time I, I read the Word of God, I ask God, God, give me wisdom, give me revelation, help me to see what you want me uh, to, to see in this passage. So pray before you read, grab a, a pen or a highlighter and mark up your Bible. In fact, I encourage you not to read on the computer or on your phone. I know some people do it, and if you can do it and not get distracted, uh, then, then that's fine. For most of us, uh, if you're reading on your phone, there's text messages and email notifications and you know Snapchats and whatever else blowing up your phone, uh, and it's going to be really hard for you to focus on what God is trying to say to you. So uh, I encourage you to, to read old-fashioned out of a Bible. If you don't have one, we have them up here. We will provide one for you. Um, but uh, highlight, underline as, as God speaks to you. And then again, after you're done reading, Pray back over it. Now that God has shown you, now that he's answered your first prayer, okay, God, help me to apply this. I've seen uh, this encouragement. God, I I need to know this. I've seen this identity. This is who you say I am, but I don't feel like I'm worthy of that. Help me to see myself the way you see me. God, I've seen this conviction. Your your word calls me to this place, and I'm not living up to me. Help me to put this into action. So so then pray that that you can walk those things out and, and go and do it. James chapter 1 verse 22 says, do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. But do what it says. If all we do today is we come in here and, and we hear a sermon and uh, we see some stuff on, a, on the screen and maybe we take some notes, but we go out and we don't put anything into practice, the Bible says that we're deceived. We're deceiving ourselves. We've got to do what the Word of God says. So today we're looking at how the Word is like a seed. The Bible actually says this in two different places. One of them we've already read, but we'll read it again. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 23, Peter, this disciple of Jesus, uh, this foundational uh, member of the kingdom of God who God used in such an incredible way, who went and uh, 
history teaches us that after Jesus died and rose again, Peter ended up uh, in the city of Rome, ministering in Rome for a very long period of time, and then was actually crucified upside down. But before that happened, before he was martyred for the kingdom, uh, he wrote these books of First and Second Peter. And in First Peter, uh, he remembers something that his master, his rabbi, Jesus had said. Jesus had talked about salvation, uh, but he used this specific phrase. He talked about being born again. And so Peter echoes Jesus's words uh, in writing to these Christian believers. He says, for you have been born again. Great statement and awesome encouragement. Praise Jesus. We have been born again. And then he says, not of a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. So, so he creates this metaphor between our salvation and spiritual birth, uh, that we are born a second time. And then he says, unlike the first birth, unlike being born of your mom and dad, you, where you're born of a perishable seed, there's an imperishable seed that God puts in us. So, so what's he saying? He's saying, physically, we're all going to die, Right? Like whether it happens at, at 30 years old or like a friend of mine who passed away yesterday at 43, very unexpectedly, whether it happens at 70 or you've got great DNA and you make it to 120 years old. You eat all the stuff you're supposed to and none of the stuff you're not and you make it to the very end. All of us have been born of a perishable seed. We, we live in, in a tent that isn't going to make it forever. We all know this, right? There is an expiration date on our life and we can push it back as long as we can. We can fight against it and not text while we drive and all those other things to be safe, but eventually it's going to end. But Peter says, now that you've been born again, you've been born of an imperishable seed. There's something in you that is eternal. There's something in you that will last forever. There's something in you that will live even though you die. And then he tells us where that comes from. He says, through the living and enduring word of God. This word holds the key to salvation. Now, the Bible itself does not save us, but the Bible teaches us how to be saved. It teaches others how to be saved. It teaches the keys to eternity. Um, and so Peter makes this comparison of the word to a seed, but Peter's not the first one who made that comparison. He's actually, again, echoing the words of his master, echoing the words of Jesus. Jesus is the first one who compared the word of God to a seed. And we're going to read through the parable in which he does this. It's the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13. One of the most famous parables of Jesus, one that many of us are probably familiar with, just in case you're not sure or maybe have forgotten. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's Jesus taking things from what was everyday life for the first century Jews, uh, things from agriculture, things from farming, things from uh, the animals around them or the people around them, and, and using those things to teach something about eternity, something about heaven, something about the way that the kingdom of God works. And so in this story, Jesus is going to get very agricultural. Uh, in Matthew 13, 23, he actually overtly makes the comparison. Uh, he's explaining to his disciples this parable, and he says, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So the seed is like the word, and the good soil is like somebody who hears the word, receives it, and understands it. So don't worry. We're going to go back and read through the entire parable. In fact, 
Uh, unlike many of the parables of Jesus, the Bible does not simply share this one with us and, and allow us to draw out the spiritual significance ourselves or the symbolism. This is one of the few parables of Jesus that Jesus actually explains. He's going to break it down for us. He's going to tell us what each thing in this parable represents. Uh, and so we're going to read the breakdown that Jesus provides here in Matthew chapter 13 as well. Before we get to that, um, in our message on how the word is like a seed, I want to spend just a little bit of time talking to you about seeds. If, if the Bible is like a seed, what is that trying to tell us? What can we infer from that? Why are we taking one Sunday out of 52 uh, in 2016 to talk about the word being like a seed? Well, there's three things that I think we can pull from this, at least, uh, that are significant. The first, obviously, you know, and I know, but seeds, what do they do? They grow. Right? If you plant a seed, if you take um, a, a watermelon seed and you put it in the ground in Mississippi, it has a chance to grow. Now, I can speak from experience. If you take a watermelon seed and you put it in the ground in Seattle, Washington, it does not grow. Uh, because uh, not only do seeds grow, but seeds grow when they have the right conditions. Right? So seeds grow, but the seeds don't grow on their own. Uh, if you walk out of here after service today and spit a watermelon seed on the parking lot, it's not going to grow. It's just going to sit there until a bird comes and eats it or until somebody runs it over. That thing's not producing watermelon, right? Seeds don't produce just by themselves. They grow, but they grow with the right conditions. And so the Word of God in the same way, when it gets inside of you and you give it the right conditions, it will grow, but it won't necessarily just grow on its own. You won't necessarily just grow because you came to church today. Hate to break it to you. It's a good step. You've positioned yourself. You, you've taken one of the right conditions and you put yourself there. But you don't just have to come to church. I tell you, there's a man pray just about every Sunday. Somebody sleeps through service in here. Uh, and can you just, you know how hard it is not to just call somebody out? Like the jerk in you, like the class prankster, like so bad just wants to put somebody on blast. And you have to like discipline that and just keep your mouth shut and just move through it. Uh, it's hard. It's challenging. Uh, some people are, are going to come in with conditions where, man, they're excited. They're eager. They're expecting the word to speak to them. I'm not just talking about church service. I'm not even really talking about church service. I'm talking about when we open the word of God. Uh, in, in the same way, we can open the word of God and we can see his word and, and it can go in one ear and out the other. Or it can penetrate to, to, to our very soul. The Bible says that the word of God is living and active. It has incredible potential, but we have to give it the right environment. So what, what are the right conditions? What are the right environment for the word to grow? Uh, I don't know all of them necessarily, but I can tell you a few. One is simply that you would come to the Word of God prayerfully. Talked about this already in our reading plan, but I think there's so much power in prayer. James 1.5 says that if anyone acts wisdom, they can, lacks wisdom, they can come to God and ask, and he gives generously. So as you come to the Word of God, you're like, man, I don't understand the Bible. The Bible doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't know all the stuff about how it was written. I don't understand all the context. There's a lot of big words here. It doesn't make sense. Pray before you read. As you pray, as you ask God, the, word, the promise of God is that he will give you wisdom. And not just wisdom, it says generous wisdom. You're going to have more than enough wisdom to understand what he wants to tell you. So you need to, you need to read the word of God prayerfully. I think we need to read the word of God expectantly. In other words, uh, I expect God to speak to me. 
I expect there's something in here that is for me. Uh, I think we need to read the Word of God personally. In other words, don't be that person who's reading the Bible like, oh, man, yep, that's so-and-so. They need to hear this. Oh, man, cousin so-and-so, mother-in-law, she really needs, I'm going to send her a card with this verse in it. This really applies to her life, right? Like, not that God's not going to give you something to share with somebody else, but first and foremost, God's going to give you something for you. As a pastor, this can be challenging because I got a sermon coming up next Sunday and the Sunday after that and the Sunday after that, right? And so, so I have to discipline myself as I open the word of God. I'm not reading the Bible for you. I got to read the Bible for me first and foremost. I got to come to God's word for myself first and let him speak to me before I can ever expect him to speak through me. So, so read it expectantly. Read it prayerfully. Read it personally. Read it consistently. Uh, if you put a seed in the ground and you water it once every six months, it's not probably going to grow, right? Like you got to water that thing day after day. You got to pull the weeds day after day. Like growing something takes work. How many guys have ever grown something from a seed? Let's start there. Uh, maybe a few of us. Um, if most of the time, most of the, now some things grow really, really easy, but most things take some work once you've put that thing in the ground. I do not have a green thumb. I'm really good at killing seeds. Uh, my wife is much better at growing them and giving them life because it takes work, takes some consistency, and I believe the Word of God is much the same way. So seeds grow with the right conditions. In fact, another way that we can read the Word of God is meditatively. Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law will not depart from my mouth, but I will meditate on it day and night. In other words, I don't just open my Bible in the morning, read a couple chapters, move on with my life. I grab something that I'm going to chew on. I grab something that I'm going to think about throughout the day that's going to continue to pop up in my mind, that I'm going to continue to pray over, that I'm going to continue to ask God, how can I use this? How can I understand this better? How can I believe this more in my life? Um, These are the things that are going to create the conditions for the seed of the Word of God to grow in your life. So seeds grow with the right conditions, and finally, seeds grow with the right conditions, and over time, they reproduce many times over. This is the, the beauty of the mind of God. Our God conceived of a world, well, all he had to do was create one seed of a tree, and that one seed of the tree had enough potential to create a whole forest. Let me illustrate that for you in another way. I have here today an ear of corn. Uh, on this ear of corn, there are many kernels. Each of these kernels is a seed. Anybody guess? If you were in first service, don't answer this. But if anybody wasn't in first service, how many kernels do you think are on an ear of corn? 300. Any other guesses? 250, at least 12. Anybody else? 3,000. Kevin's a man of faith. Big faith. Uh, I actually have not counted this specific ear of corn, uh, but the average ear of corn has 800 kernels on it. You know what that, all the 800 of those kernels came from? One kernel, one seed. That kernel got put in the ground. It grew into a stock, a stock of corn. On average, science tells us it's going to grow between one and four ears of corn, depending on the breed, depending on the conditions, the health of the plant. It'll grow one to four. The average is right around two. So the average kernel of corn, the average corn seed produces 1,600 more corn seeds, which then produce 1,600 more each. You see the exponential power of the seed. You see how quickly, how few generations it takes to go from one corn to a massive cornfield. It grows very, very, very quickly. 
reproduces itself many times over. This is the potential of the word of God in your life. As Jesus is trying to say, how important is the Bible? How important is it that that my people read my word? How important is it that they spend time? He says, you know what? I'm going to teach them about a seed because they may not understand the significance spiritually of the word, but they know how to grow food. It was an agricultural society. I'm not very agricultural. I'm not that guy. I'm not good at growing things. I'm not like real country. That's not me. So I had to research this and study this. Some of you know this uh, from your own personal experience. I'm teaching you from somebody else's experience uh, or from my failure. I can teach you from that. Uh, but, But Jesus knew his hearers understood this innately. They knew what it was like to grow things, and they knew how quickly one seed could turn into many, 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 many seeds. So we're talking about spiritual reproduction. In Matthew chapter 13, we'll read the parable together. Starting in verse 1, it says, That same day Jesus went out of the house, and he sat by the lake. I think that's kind of cool. Jesus is getting ready to teach the parable of the sower, and he says, You know what? We're going to talk about some stuff in nature. We're going to talk about some natural laws. Let's get out of the house, and let's go out in nature and experience uh, what's going on. In other words, he's sitting by a lake. We don't know specifics of what the lake looked like, but my guess is most lakes have some trees growing nearby. Jesus probably had some plants that he could point to as he's talking about the seeds. There's probably some actual illustrations right there that he could say, that thing right there, it grew from a seed. That forest over there, they grew from seeds. Uh, Verse 2, it says, such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. Everybody say good soil. Good soil where it produced a crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears... Let him hear. So Jesus says as this farmer goes out and he's scattering his seed, some of the seed falls on the path. And he said that seed doesn't even get in to the soil at all. The path is hard. It's been walked on. It's been carved out. And so there's no soil for it to get in. It's this hard path. And the birds come and they eat it up, right? The seed doesn't even penetrate. Uh, Then he says, well, there was some other seed that was sown sown, and it, it went into a rocky place. Uh, and went into the rocky place, and it had enough soil there that it could start to grow, but there wasn't enough soil for it to really grow some deep roots. And so when the sun came, it withered up because it didn't have roots to get the, the water from the ground that it needed in the heat of the sun. And he said there's even some other seed, and it was sown on some soil, but the, the soil, it was good soil, but the soil had thorns around it. It was surrounded by some bad conditions. And as the plant started to grow, those thorns choked the life right out of the plant. And finally, he says... There was some seed that was scattered on good soil, and that seed grew, and it produced a crop 60, 30, 100 times that which was sown. Now, most of you have heard this story before, and most of you understand the implications of this story. What, what is the soil? Well, the soil is representative of different people. The seed is the word of God. It's sown into different people, and different people respond to the word differently. Uh, but, but I want to show you what Jesus actually explained, I want you to see it in his words and not just mine, the significance of the soil. But before we get to that, here's what you need to see as we look at the soil, the good soil. It says it produced a crop 30, 60, 100 times 
that which was sown. The Word of God has explosive potential to change your life. There's explosive potential to change your life. This one seed has explosive potential to grow massively different things. Much crop, much fruit can be born from one seed. So much can come from just one thing. It's in the same way Jesus says, the Word of God can change your life. You've got relationship issues, and yes, you're a Christian. Yes, you love God, but, but you're having problems with that spouse, with that mate, with that family member. Part of it's because you're not really getting into the Word of God. Part of it's because you're not seeing what God has to say. Here's what I think. I think a lot of times we say things like, I just don't have time to read the Bible. And first of all, we'll set aside the, yes, you do, because you spend however many hours a day on Facebook and however many hours a day watching sports and however many hours a day on the phone. You know, we'll set aside that. I won't even preach that message today. You already know that. You know deep down inside you got time to read the Word of God if you want to. But we'll set that aside. Here's what I also believe. I believe that the time that you spend in the Word of God is going to multiply itself back into your life. In other words, every time that I read the Bible, I, that Bible is going to save me so much time from bad decisions I don't have to make. It's going to save me so much time from stupid things I don't say to my wife that now I have to talk about and apologize for and go back and fix this thing that I said, right? It's going to save me so much time from bad things that I, the bad habits that I don't pour into my kids that now I got to spend so much time disciplining my kid because I've modeled something negative for him. It's going to save us so much time as we get into the Word. So even if, you, even if you are the one person who legitimately is like, I really don't have time, like you're working three jobs and you're struggling to make ends meet, and you're that one person who has not spent any time on the TV or on the phone or the computer, and, and you really don't have the time, make the time. Because I promise you it's going to reproduce that time back into your life. The, you're, you're going to find not just that, you're going to find your ability to make decisions is going to be so much quicker. Your ability to hear from God is going to be so much clearer. Like, all of these things are going to make things happen in your life. If you'll take the next 21 days and make the time, I would, I would be absolutely blown away if anybody would do that for the next 21 days and be able to come to me and say, yeah, I really don't have time to read the Word of God at the end of the 21 days. If you do it, you will come to me and say, I'm so glad I made this time. Things, I'm not saying your life's magically going to be perfect and there will be no more problems and issues and everybody's happy. Don't, I'm not, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm saying the Word of God is going to grow some things in your life. It's going to grow you. It's going to grow your identity. It's going to grow your ability to hear from God, to see God, to recognize who He is. It has explosive potential to change your life. But it has to be planted. It has to be put in the right soil. Uh, And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to be good soil the next three weeks. We're going to be consistent. We're going to be daily. We're going to be prayerful. We're going to be mindful of the Word. So... Matthew chapter 13, skipping down to verse 18, Jesus brings us his explanation of this parable. Uh, He says, okay, I'm going to tell you exactly what the different things represent in this parable. Speaking with his disciples, he says this. He says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Some of you guys have, have witnessed to somebody, and they were like seeds sown along the path. You told that person about Jesus, and it did not penetrate their heart at all. Not interested, don't care what you have to say, not for me, that's a bunch of baloney, that's something for whoever, it's not for me, right? That, that doesn't even begin to penetrate their heart at all. You've seen this happen uh, where the seed was sown along the path. Uh, then Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, the seed falling on rocky ground, verse 20. 
refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. A lot of us have seen this happen too, haven't we? Somebody came into the kingdom of God. Somebody had the gospel shared with them. And man, they got fired up. And it was just like explosive growth. They just shot up, and all of a sudden, they're the most expressive in worship, and they can't quit talking about Jesus, and they're so excited. But it ended up it was just something emotional, and they didn't grow any root. They didn't really get in the word. They didn't really build, build relationships in the kingdom. And so when, when trouble comes, when persecution comes, when suddenly they start feeling some pushback, they fall away. Some of us have been that person. If we're real honest, maybe at some point in our life, we look back and, hey, the first time where I gave my life to Jesus or the first time I prayed the sinner's prayer or asked Jesus into my heart or the first two times or the first 20 times or, or whatever it was, we can look back and say, you know what, I would get really fired up and then I'd fall off. Then Jesus tells us about the third kind of soil. Verse 22 it says the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. So this one, one actually grows, but as it grows, it grows among thorns, and, and the thorns are, are representative of the deceitfulness of, of riches, uh, of wealth, uh, and, and the cares, the worries of life. Uh, how many of us have been this person? Probably a lot of us, where we got excited about God for a season, and then the mortgage was due. We, we got really fired up about God, and then we had that new job opportunity that, that kept us from being you know, all of a sudden it filled up our time and we weren't reading the word. We weren't at church. We weren't in city group or whatever it might be. Like we didn't have time for God anymore. We didn't fit him into our schedule. So many of us have, have been this individual that we got caught up in the cares of life. And, and what's interesting about this is there's a lot of debate about Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. Uh, because there are Bible scholars who believe that this person is a Christian. Uh, and there are Bible scholars who believe that this person isn't. I can't really answer that question. I can't tell you if this person was saved or not. Jesus doesn't say that they weren't. He doesn't say that they were. It says they received the word, and it did produce a harvest, but, but then it was choked out, and then it says that they were unfruitful. I can't tell you if this person is a Christian or not. Here's what I can tell you. I don't want to be that person. Here's what I can also tell you. You don't want to be that person. Because whether this person sneaks into heaven by the skin of their teeth or not, and I don't know, I do know this. I don't want to stand before Jesus and have him look at me and say, I was unfruitful. I don't want to stand before Jesus and have him look at me and say, you received the word, but you got so worried about the other stuff in life. You got so distracted by all the incredible things that you had as an American that you missed out on helping reproduce the opportunity that I gave. You were unfruitful. I don't want to stand before God and have him say that. I don't know if this person is a Christian or not. I know you and I don't want to be this person. We don't want to be in soil number three. We all want to be soil number four. Amen? Soil number four is this. says the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces. Everybody say produces. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times that which was sown, the word of God, has the potential to change your life, has the potential to increase in you, has the potential to do something. As it gets down inside of you, it's going to grow. As you give it the right conditions, it's going to grow some more, and then it's going to reproduce. 
How does it reproduce? Well, it reproduces, number one, by, by being there when you need it. It reminds you of itself. I mean, you, once you put the word in your heart, uh, many times you're like, man, I read that. I don't even know why I read that. I don't need this. I don't know. But what, what you've done is you've given the Holy Spirit ammunition to remind you when you need it. Man, when, when the enemy attacks, when the enemy comes, now the Holy Spirit can remind you of what the word of God says. The Holy Spirit can remind you, man, this is what the Bible says. This is what, this is what you read. So, so it reproduces in that way. But, but secondly, obviously, is when this corn reproduces, what does it mean for it to reproduce? It means it makes more corn, right? What happens when a Christian reproduces? It makes more Christians, right? Like this is, this is the picture Jesus takes when he's talking about the word. What does the word do? It grows in you. It flourishes in you. And it empowers you to reproduce. We're supposed to be productive Christians. He says this is the good soil produces a crop. I want us to be productive. I want to see us get to that place. And, and you're probably like, man, Pastor Troy, I know all of this. I know it's important for me to read my Bible. I knew this since I was in Sunday school at four years old. Like, I get it. We did a series on this two years ago. We did something else on this a few months ago. Why are we always talking about the importance of the word? Well, it was, I believe it was Charles Spurgeon, the great 18th century revivalist, who put it this way. It might have been uh, a different speaker from that era, but, but, but regardless, I think the point stands. Uh, whoever it was, he, he was preaching the same message over and over. And one of the people came and said, why do you keep preaching the same sermon? And he says, I'll teach a different sermon when people start doing what I said in the first sermon. Uh, and, and why do we keep talking about reading the Bible? Because a lot of Christians don't read their Bibles. Uh, and I am not content with city church being an average church. I know this is an epidemic across America. I know this is not just our church. I'm not mad at you or angry with you. Uh, but, but I'm not willing to settle for us being normal. I'm not willing to settle for us being mediocre just because our era, our generation is mediocre. We don't serve a mediocre God. We don't serve an average God. We serve a God who's calling us to something better. And I'm going to keep standing in this stage and keep calling us to be better until we start getting better. Until we start building these habits, until we start doing this. I'm not saying nobody in this room is doing it. I know some of you in this room are, for a fact, for certain. But, but I also know in my spirit there's a lot in this room who aren't. And that grieves me as your pastor because that's my fault. If we're not learning this, if we're not getting to that place, I'm going to answer to God one day for whether I gave you this, this teaching or not. Now, if I teach you and you don't do it, you're going to answer to God for it. So sorry about your luck. Uh, but <laughs> it's off me now. Praise God. No, just kidding. Uh, but, but we've got to do this, guys. Why? Because the word has explosive potential to change your life. It's got explosive potential not just to change your life. It's got explosive potential to change your world. See, because when one of us gets a hold of this, and I'll talk a little louder so you don't hear the rain. When one of us gets a hold of this, it doesn't just impact us, right? It impacts our family. Man, when one of us starts getting the, our identity in Christ, it changes the way we treat the people around us. It changes the way that we treat the people we work with. It changes the way that, that we interact with the lost people in our neighborhood or the lost people at school. It's going to change the way that we do things. See, the word of God doesn't just have incredible potential to change your life, which that should be enough. But the word of God, these seeds, every single seed, every single verse, every single chapter, every single book of the word of God has explosive potential to begin to change the world around us. And so when we look at the world, and, and Josh talked uh, about this 
Uh, I, actually, I guess it was first service. But uh, he, he said, you know, a lot of times we can get so upset about the, the way things are going in the world. Or, man, so frustrated. And I get there, too, man. And I look at the elections and look at all this other stuff. And it's like, man, so frustrating. But, but ultimately, we've got the keys to change it. we got the power. God's given us the word. We're just letting it sit on our shelves and collect dust. And God's saying the key for you to begin to change this place, the key for Olive Branch to get right, the key for Memphis to get right, starts in my church. It starts not in, not in the building, not in the walls of the church, but in the people of the church and the people who are part of the family of God. If we'll tap into this, there's no limit to what we can do for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. So the word is like a seed because it has explosive power potential to change our life and explosive potential to change the lives of the people around us so one last time calling you for 21 days to open the book for 21 days to carve out the time how long is it going to take me to read two chapters a day it'll take you about 10 minutes if you're a real slow reader it might take you 15 if you're a speed reader it might take you five it's going to take you somewhere in that ballpark I'm going to call you to double it up. If it takes you 10 minutes to read two chapters, read about, or pray for about 10 minutes. A couple minutes before you read, a few minutes after you read. Spend that time with God. 20 minutes to carve out in your schedule. I guarantee you everybody in this room can find 20 minutes if we want to. There's nobody in this room who can't find 20 minutes to spend with God. Now, some of us, we're beyond that, and, and if you drop down to 20 minutes, I would be calling you to mediocrity. I'm not calling you to, st- to, to st- come down. I'm just saying if you're not at 20 minutes, get there. Read along with us. I'm going to ask you to do that for three weeks, for 21 days consistently. I don't mean wait until, what is it, October the 7th and read 42 chapters and be like, yeah, I read through, open the book, I did it. There's no, you're not going to get a lot out of that if you read 42 chapters in one shot. You're, you're awesome. Uh, it'll be a fill up your Saturday. But you're not going to get nearly as much as if you read two chapters a day for 21 days. Also, 21 days, scientists tell us, is how long it takes us for, to form a habit. Uh, so at the end of 21 days, if you've done it, each of those 21 days, guess what? You've got the habit of a Christian who reads the Bible. And now you're looking for, what's my next reading plan? What am I doing next? Instead of just doing it for 21 days and leaving, it's, this is who I am. I, I've seen the benefit in my life. I've seen the growth in my life. So I'm asking you to do that, but I'm even going to challenge you to go one step further. Because I believe the Word of God has explosive potential to change the world around us. I'm going to ask you to share what you get out of it. We're going to use the hashtag open the book, and if you're on social media, whatever platform that is, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever it is, I'm going to ask you to share a little bit of what you've gotten. My, my goal, I think a good goal for each of us, this is my goal for myself, is I want to share three times a week. Three times this week, I'm going to get something out there on social media. Here's what I got out of open the book. And once a week, I'm going to get a video out there. So once a week, I'm going to take five minutes or three minutes or two minutes or one minute or whatever, and I'm just, hey, here's what I felt like God showed me. Here's what I got with the hashtag, open the book. Uh, and then we're going to be able to encourage each other. We'll be able to go to the hashtag, see what God's speaking. through. These, we're all reading the same stuff. So we're like, oh, man, I didn't even realize that in that chapter. That didn't even jump out to me. That's really cool. But not only are we encouraging each other, now we're sharing with people who aren't opening the book. It's going to do a couple things. It's going to challenge Christians who aren't. Man, I really need to get in the Bible for myself. My friend's really growing. And I believe it's also going to open doors where where unbelievers, where people who maybe don't even believe the Bible, they're going to see, you know what, I may not believe this, but they really do. They're putting it into practice in their lives. They're really, and it's going to challenge them to begin thinking, man, is this something more to this than I realized? So that's what's going to happen as we open 
the book together. I believe you guys can do it. I'm challenging you to do it. I believe you're going to do it. Hold on to this reading plan. If you forget the reading plan or lose the reading plan, we already have it up uh, at facebook.com slash citychurchob. There's a picture of the reading plan there. We're going to have it up on the church website by Tuesday. Um, it's going to have access to it anywhere you go. No excuses. Open the book. Amen? Let's pray.